Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Robin Conley Downs. Robin is on a mission to help people find more joy and ease in the kitchen and in life with her simple yet effective habits-based approach. Founder and editor-in-chief of Real Food Whole Life, author of The Feel Good Effect, host of the Feel Good Effect podcast, and founder and director of the Feel Good Effect coaching certification. She believes in filling her cup before emptying her to-do list and lives by the motto, gentle is the new perfect. In this episode, Robin shares how to make healthy meals doable for your lifestyle. She helps us identify the barriers to getting consistent healthy meals on the table and then provide solutions on how we can make it a habit and less of a task on our to-do list. Robin, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. I love always talking about anything in terms of recipes um, and habits, which are both of your forte. So this should be a great conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. So I'd love, Robin, for you to tell everyone just a little bit more about yourself. You say on your Instagram, if a habits expert started a food blog, that's you. How did you marry those two and how did it come about? Well, it certainly was not like an intentional plan, considering the internet didn't even exist when I was a young person. I'm dating myself, but it's true. Like that was not a profession that some might, I would have considered. Um, I started out really interested in how people create and, and change, create behaviors, create habits, and then change those behaviors. So I did my undergrad in political science and then a master's degree in education and behavior change. So how do we create habits? Um, From there, I decided to pursue a PhD in public health policy. Um, If you look at uh, psychology and behavior change, that's an individual level of unit of analysis. So like if you're a dietitian, you're looking at individuals, right? If you're a psychologist, you're looking at individuals. If you're an educator, you're looking at individuals. But there's a whole other side of academics and of research that looks at like the state as a unit of analysis. So they're looking at how do we change policy? How do we change institutionally so that we can facilitate different behaviors, essentially? I mean, they're looking at the same thing from very different lenses. And it occurred to me at some point that you can only go so far with trying to change individual behavior. This is like a little bit of a tangent, but we typically sometimes get so focused on individuals that we forget that individuals exist in institutions, in society. And there's only so much we can do to like push on levers to change ourselves when we're operating in the world, right? So I wanted to do both. Um, that was my lofty goal. <laughs> and then I um, was working full-time in a doc program full-time, had a baby. Um, And then realized that as much as I wanted to help like change the system, I was at the last uh, bottom of the list. I had a list. I wasn't even on it. Um, I was miserable. I was not taking care of myself. And I had that kind of aha moment of what am I? I'm saying this one thing, but I'm doing something else. So I quit everything, which is not really like me. I went ABD in in my doc program. I will say it was not a very supportive place for a working mom to be. And I didn't feel like trying to fight that battle, so I left. And I started to look at 
all of this stuff that I learned in my own life and to say, like, how can we make this as simple as possible, as sustainable as possible, as joyful as possible? Um, and that was really working for me. And then I looked around on the internet and that was like 2014, I want to say. Oh, yeah. yeah, 2014. And what I saw on the internet, like, didn't really match what I was experiencing. It was still, even then, like, pretty lofty, pretty aspirational. And so I started the food blog first because I do find when people want to change, like a lot of times foods where they start. And what I was seeing online, even then, was recipes created by people who their whole job was to create recipes versus people who are working and then coming home and trying to get a meal on the table. So that's where it started. Habits expert turned food blogger and then parlayed that now back more full circle. Like I had a podcast for five years. I wrote a book. I try to continue to teach these things. And I am happy to say, like, I'm back on the list. I love that. And did you have a passion, Robin, for cooking or like, because, right, to, to keep up a food blog, you also have to like love food and, you know, kind of keep it fresh each time. So what's your relationship with cooking and, and recipe development even? Yeah, I think I'm a lot more pragmatic than most of the my colleagues in the food blogging industry, like most people, I think, start a food blog because they really love developing a recipe. I really love feeling good in my own life. And so having good food is part of that. Yeah. And so it's very pragmatic for me. Like, how do we make the how do I make a recipe? Literally, I have a testing process. I go through fewest ingredients possible, fewest dishes possible. I literally have that as a tag on my site that you can filter by least dishes. Um, how can I make it flavorful? but still the family will eat it. And so for me, it's always like a means to an end with the end being like feeling good and eating well versus some other food bloggers who are also amazing, who their end is like creating the best recipe. I'm like, what's the best recipe? But also let's take out all these steps. No, I love that reference because it's so honest. Like I feel like even maybe some food bloggers out there would hear that and be like, no, that's actually how I feel. But I feel like I have to pretend that I love it Right. Because I'm supposed to love it. Um, no, but I, I, that's so honest and so true. And I think it goes back to right with what you're trying to create. Like, if you're trying to help people make the habit of, um, an easy meal for their family each night, right? Or being able to improve their health that way, you have to make it so it's easy for them to develop right. that habit. Yeah. And that's kind of where I want to start with our conversation of if someone's listening and they're like, I really don't have confidence in the kitchen. I don't know where to start. What would you suggest to them? Is it like certain um, appliances to get that would make their life easier to start cooking or certain techniques or recipes to start with just to gain that confidence? What would you normally suggest to someone? Well, one thing I teach is called the feel-good vision. So you actually start, it's a little bit like a values exercise, but I think uh, adapted for this space of wellness and health, which is like, ask, how do you want to feel when it comes to food and cooking? And that's a different question, right? Than like starting with how do I choose whether I should use an Instant Pot? Um, so how do you want to feel? Like, what is the goal of this? That Why are you doing this? Why do you want to have dinner on the table? Um, that's going to be different for you depending on like your life circumstances and all kinds of things. 
But when you can um, remember that, like, I'm doing this because I want to feel vibrant. I want to feel energized. I want to feel like when I wake up the next morning, I want to feel like I can get out of bed, you know? Um, That changes everything. Because I'll tell you what, I never want to make dinner. Like, there is never a night where I work a whole day and then I'm like, you know what I want to do? Cook. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, never. I never feel like that. Um. So when I feel, you know, on a daily basis, I think, but how do I, like, what is this accomplishing for me versus it's just another thing on my to-do list. And especially if you're, you know, a parent who's responsible, like you're burdening those extra responsibilities in your relationship or in your single parent, whatever it is, that's so important because it takes it off of like doing it first. It's just one more thing you're doing for other people. To like, no, I want to feel, this is for me to feel a certain way. And these two things are connected. So I know that's not what you asked, (laughs) but that's always what I start with. So just think, you know, you can write it down, whatever it is. Um, And that, so for me, it is, it's like, I have an autoimmune disease. I have a bunch of issues. I'm over 40. Like how I eat at night definitely like affects how I feel the next day. So making those connections. And then from there. Creating a habit around cooking is all about identifying like what's making it hard and let's make that easy. So first, just like permission to let it be easy. It's okay. (laughs) More complicated does not win you awards. Like it's just not that. It's just not that way. So every single way you can make it simple. And a lot of people aren't totally clear on what the barriers, like what are the hard things about cooking? And so I break it down, like I said, by like, is it getting the ingredients? Is that actually the problem for you? Is it when you say I don't have time? Like, what do you mean by that? What? Where is there no time? Is it like you're too frazzled at dinner time to make it? So then I would recommend an appliance, right? Um, is it the dishes? <laughs> is it there's too many steps? Is it that you're trying to create too much variety and really you just need to be have five things to make? Um, so. I get a little more clear on what is stopping you and then know that it's okay to simplify that thing. Yeah. I love that. I This is, honestly, Robin, this is just so eye-opening because everything you're saying, obviously, right, like resonates. <laughs> but nobody's really talking about this stuff or I haven't found. Like even, you know, I have friends that their business is meal planning and um, other, you know, food blogs and recipe development. but to really go in because it is true for some people it is it's getting the ingredients like just going to the grocery store is the issue mm-hmm. or like you said it's even just about like you know i would suggest to someone an appliance if their issue is the actual cooking process that they don't want to be hands on um or the dishes no this is this is very very eye opening um okay and let's say we first, blame ourselves yeah. i just have to say like always yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of of behavioral science. It's really simple. We will do something. A habit comes when you do a behavior over and over until it becomes habitual. And the way that you do something over and over is that it's easy and you get reinforcement for it. Like, that's the science. That's it. And though, but we blame ourselves and like get in our own way. Like, oh, I'm just lazy. Oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Instead of kind of taking a step back and saying, like, why does this matter to me? How do I want to feel? And then identify the thing that's stopping you and then let it be easy. It doesn't 
have to be complicated, but we have to kind of let some things go. And we go through, Robin, like for each of those scenarios, let's say if like what's holding you back um, are getting the ingredients or if it is the actual cooking, can we talk about some of the solutions for each of those scenarios? Yeah. Okay. So which one do you want to start with? (laughs) Uh, I guess let's start with, I almost think about like when you're making, right. Yeah. Let's first start with ingredients. Like if, okay. if you actually having the ingredients on hand is the issue. Okay. So if ingredients is the issue, you want to have a fridge and a pantry that is stocked with items that you'll actually use, which does mean that you have to back up and do like, not necessarily meal planning, but you have to decide on a set of meals that you make on a regular basis. And then what are those ingredients? So um, like think of it like a capsule wardrobe, but for your pantry and fridge. And we can kind of go into like where people get stuck, I think on variety and how that can like, do you really want variety or do you just want a dopamine hit? Like that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> I think people really get confused about that. But if it really is your goal to cook more and you really are finding that every time you try to cook, you're starting with a new set of ingredients, I would say the solution is like, let's simplify things, create a list of five to 10 meals that you know that you can cook, like back pocket meals, last minute dinner ideas. These are things that like, I like eating, my family likes eating. They don't take a lot of time. What are those ingredients? Create like a master grocery list. And that's what you buy when you go to the store. You know, or you go to some, I will go to Costco once a month and I'll just bulk of all of those things because bulk buying only works if you use what you buy but if you know that you're always making like i make turkey spaghetti sauce and pasta on wednesday night because that's track night at our house and my daughter needs like the fuel and sustenance i make that every wednesday night so i always have ground turkey i have marinara sauce i have spaghetti and i have she likes dairy-free parmesan like i always have those things and then we always have that on wednesday no, that's perfect. Um, okay. No, I think that's a really good solution. And that, it, like you said, the variety. People get so stuck on like, oh, I'm, I'm going to find a new recipe yeah. each week. And then it's like, and then you didn't actually find that recipe or you found it, but you never got the ingredients. Right. So just starting first with those five to 10 meals, I think is great. And then slowly you could adjust those five to 10 meals, like maybe try one thing new. Um, okay, let's move on from if it's not ingredients, um, I'm trying to think of all the scenarios, then if it's the actual cooking process, mm-hmm. what do you suggest? Or the time well, it takes to cook? Okay. So time's an interesting one because I think time, um, we collapse a lot of things into time. So when you say time, I'd always want to know, like if I were working with you, coaching you, I'd say like, tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Because if you are working, you work from home, right? You work from home. Mm-hmm. You have two two kids under two. My guess is five o'clock is an SH show at your house. And like, oh, that's not when you're yeah. going to cook. <laughs> <laughs> so for you, I might say, put something in the slow cooker at 10. And then it wasn't ever about time. It was about the energy around dinner that just made it impossible to make something. So can you put something in the slow cooker at 10 o'clock, you know, after you get the kids dropped off, after you get some work done, 
go put something in the slow cooker and I'll be done for dinner. That's what I would say about time. And that's exactly what we do, Robin. There's yeah, always well, something in the crock pot yeah. <laughs> mid-morning. Okay. Well, I have, so I have 200 recipes, slow cooker recipes on my website. Like, I don't love this. I'm not like, oh, I love the slow cooker. Like, that was never my thing. It was always, this doesn't work unless I put something in the slow cooker because I do not have the energy when I get home. Less about time for me. It was way more about ener- men- like physical, mental energy at that time. But for some people, when they say time, what they really mean is they don't like chopping. You know, they don't like making a, res- a recipe that has five different things that you make. And so in that case, I would say, like, look for a recipe that doesn't require a lot of chopping and or buy some pre-chopped things. Like you can buy pre-chopped onions, pre-chopped garlic. That literally is enough of a barrier for some people to not do it. Like for me, sometimes I'm making a stir fry, but the idea of making rice, just like, that's the thing. Like, I can't do it. It's too much. So like buying pre-made rice, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Um, so that's with time. It, it's even dissecting it a little more. Do you really mean you don't have energy? Do you really mean that you hate a certain part of the process? And so I would either recommend like simplifying the recipes you're looking at for weeknights, or I'd say an appliance might work for you because you could do it, get it ready in the morning or the night before. Um, or I'd say meal delivery, you know, <laughs> there's a spectrum. <laughs> Of things, and it's like if you really hate, if it really is the the planning and the grocery shopping, then maybe the meal delivery is the right option for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, especially with having young kids, that we are popping frozen salmon in the air fryer, mm-hmm. and then one thing we really love is always having like frozen veggies on hand because they're already chopped. Yeah. And it's so easy to just throw it on the pan. They're done or even sometimes the oven. And we're big fans of, well, at least right now. We, My husband and I actually both love cooking. It's just a tough time in our lives right now yeah. to make that work and cook the way we would like to as well. Right. But it's really helpful to have hands off cooking. Like if something's in the oven, something's in the air fryer and not have to be like physically touching it and just like, yeah. hear the the little ding at the end that it's ready um because our hands are full carrying a baby or getting our son's you know food ready that he's throwing on the ground right after we prepare it right. um but it really is like dependent on and I'm so glad you're bringing up these points of like where you are and and how time it's not just one question or answer there's a whole spectrum of it right. um what do you or like- typically yeah Maybe your family does not eating what you're making. And that's yeah. that's another thing. It's like you go to the supper and then the kids throw it all over the floor. I might say it's okay to just make them. This is going to, I don't even want to get into this conversation because you can fire people up more than anything else. But if if your children or your spouse are not eating the food and that is the reason, then it's, again, like permission to let that be easy in some way, whatever that looks like for you. Oh, totally. Like we've even adjusted, we feed our son early um, and then we wait till both kids are asleep and then Mm -hmm. we have dinner because I'm someone like, I need to eat in peace. I'm hoping that as my son gets a little bit older, we can eat in peace all together. But right now that's not doable. So Mm -hmm. 
it's really just making it work and then adjusting for how your life adjusts too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have, Robin, I'm curious, like any favorite meals between, you know, just for your family that you love to make um, or that clients seem to always love that you have? I think, again, like it really does depend on what you're looking for. If yeah. you want like a one, if, like for some people knowing sheet pan meals are really effective versus some people know slow cooker meals are really effective. I would say like my number one category of, of recipes on the site is dump and go slow cooker recipes. I did not make up a title. <laughs> like I don't think dump and any food should go together in the same sentence. The idea of a dump and go slow cooker recipe is that you don't have to like pre-brown or pre-cook anything. And so those work well for me and I think a lot of my audience because the pre-browning stage is just enough to keep you from doing it. And so um, I have a whole suite of those, but I usually will do those one or two times a week uh, or more um, because they have it creates leftovers for lunch the next day. So I'm like, you know, um, what is the saying now? Feeding two birds with one scone. <laughs> Nicer way of instead of murdering birds. So we like can cook something and then have leftovers so that I'm getting like meal prep done without actually having to do any meal prep. Um, and some of my favorites are like a um like a Greek yogurt chicken that's like four ingredients. And then we can we can eat that with rice and bagged broccoli um and then the next day i could put that into like a salad or i could put it into a sandwich we get multiple meals out of it so really those like five ingredient dump and go slow cooker recipes um you do need a little bit of thinking in the morning like if you work at home that's a no-brainer if you're if you're running out of the house at seven that's a little bit more difficult when i used to work outside of the house i would actually put everything in the slow cooker the night before put the insert in the fridge and then take it out and put it in and hit that's start. That's a great in the idea. But that's where like an instant pot can work better for some people that can't get, you know, just can't get it in the morning. They need to do that later in the day. Yeah, no, I think the slow cooker for anyone listening to that doesn't have one, it can be a real lifesaver. And like you said, it also, if you get a large enough one, it can make so much too for the whole week for leftovers. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times I feel like I actually lunch is harder for me because yeah. I'm working all day and I'm like, oh, okay, I need to eat. Like, what do we have in the fridge? Oh, I don't want to eat that because that's for dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that's what we're going to make. So it's really nice having that. Um, Robin, I have to ask you, which we're switching gears a little bit from food mm-hmm. but i love your friday shutdown routine and i would love for you to share it with our listeners how you go from work to relaxation in 15 minutes okay. well the friday shutdown t- routine just came from i teach something called like the daily four hour routines which is breaking your instead of this big morning routine you'll start to hear a theme of, of what i'm saying which is like we make things too hard and then we can't do them and then we feel bad about it so instead of that, we can make things simpler and easier and shorter, do them and feel good. So the four R routines is instead of one big long morning routine, which was for me not realistic, it was five minute morning routine and then a five minute like reset in the mid morning and then a little kind of afternoon recharge and then a five minute, 15 minute evening routine. And so thinking about micro routines rather than 
mean, I, I would be wonderfully happy to have a, an hour in the morning <laughs> to do a routine. That's not my life right now. So the Friday shutdown routine came from that micro routine approach, which was like, I work from home. I know a lot of people did during the pandemic. There are some people that are still home, lots of people that are in offices or in the medical industry. There are so many different ways that you can work. And it was really hard for me to shut things down. So my Friday shutdown routine is I do one that sweeps through everything. So I'll go through email. I'll go through Slack. I'll, I'll, I mean, how many ways can people get a hold of me and just look at, is there anything anyone really needs for me? And then I actually close everything, which is a radical idea. You know, I do use a plugin called One Tab. I don't know. That's like a random productivity hack, but I know it's scary to close all your tabs, but it it saves them. So you can have, I have like all my tabs for the different kinds of jobs that I do. So I will literally close all my tabs on my computer and then I'll set up my week for the next week in my physical planner. I'll just kind of write down what I generally need to know when I hit the ground running on Monday and then I'll close that and then I'll actually turn my computer off and then I'll tidy my desk up and then I'll be done. So it's very much, it's not about productivity in that case. It's just signaling like this is, it's okay to shut this down. You've looked, you've checked, you've got, you've done what you need to do. And then let's be done so you can rest over the weekend or whatever. I don't know. I'm resting over the weekend, (laughs) but let's not work. I'm not working on the weekend. So let's actually honor that and shut it down. Well, and you're not spending energy, Robin, thinking about like, like, you know, Monday, you've set up your planner. You know, Monday, you're going to know what to do versus on Sunday when we get the Sunday scaries and we're like, what was that one thing I had to do? I feel like I'm always telling clients if they're having issues falling asleep, it's usually because they're running their to-do list for the next day in their head. And we're just so scared of forgetting something that Mm -hmm. we just keep it going and keep it going. But once you put it down on paper or you get it out of your head and you know it's somewhere concrete that you can Mm -hmm. check whether it's Monday or the next day, it frees up that space. So I love that. And I, I think your common theme that I've been hearing throughout our conversation is first understanding what your barriers are to creating certain habits or just performing certain tasks and then getting over those barriers after you've identified them. And that's where you really come in and everything you've said has been so helpful. I mean, obviously for me and when I'm like, I feel like I'm, you know, treading water right now a bit. Um, but it's such a unique way of looking at, you know, I think cooking, because I mean, we all need to eat food, right? To survive. Mm-hmm. And we also all want to feel good from the food that we eat. And it's just such a happy marriage, you know, pairing simple recipes, but then also how to create those habits and how to actually do it, right? Because we can look up all the recipes we want, even all the simple recipes we want. But if we don't know what's actually stopping us from making them each day or creating that habit, we're going nowhere. So I really appreciate it. And um, I also just wanted to ask you in terms of like prioritizing your own health and the health of your family, are there any like daily, you know, non-negotiables you do to support your health and wellness? 
while also working, being a mom and doing all the things. <laughs> yeah. Well, the four, the four R routines comes back yeah. into play here. So it's making sure that I get like a five, five minutes, four times a day, just 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> We're not overshooting here. And I really would argue if that's, we need to relook at everything if we can't do that. Um, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, but I look at what are, I'd like to think about like, how can I organize my day around getting some good? So if I have those four fives, then I can put everything else around it. And then I can put a few of my non-negotiables in. So in the morning, it's getting some kind of movement. And I'm serious about five minutes. That's where I really get resistance from people. It's like, we have been very much conditioned to think certain things count, certain things don't. And we that's another conversation for another day. But um, if you look at the research on, it's called exercise snacking. So breaking exercise into very small chunks, 60 stairs, not 60 flights, 60 stairs has like an, has an impact on cardiovascular health. So not just the mental health piece, but the actual physical, physiological change that can occur if you do 60 stairs a day. Um, so some kind of physical movement, even if it's only for five minutes, and that's a non-negotiable. Um, eating lunch is a non-negotiable. Again, sometimes I get a little sad that these are the things that were like feeding yourself. You know? Yep. Like, where are we in Surviving. the world? Surviving. <laughs> um, uh, so eating lunch is a non-negotiable. I say like eating lunch is a radical form of self-care and I refuse to live in a life that doesn't allow me to eat lunch we would never do that to our children like sorry no lunch for you today um even if that means i'm really into with the chicken nugget salad right now which is air fryer bear nuggets on a salad again oh my god I, robin you're literally speaking my language we get these organic chicken nuggets from costco yeah. yep. yep and they go I'm right sure we buy the, the same ones <laughs> yep, they go right on the side. No, it's and you and sometimes the bagged salad happens too. Yeah, you know? but this is what we feel like because what you said before is is exactly right in terms of what we need to do. But the part one part you missed was like we have to stop feeling bad or like we're cheating or yeah. like we're not doing it right or that we're failing or you said you're treading water, which is like not at all true. I really wish that we could stop. I understand it just where you're coming like, from. It feels like that. Because you're holding yourself to an impossible standard that nobody in the history of the world has ever been held to, this is a fact. So just saying, if we could stop saying that we're failing at everything and like that's not accurate and and allow, if we know like I want to feel like nourished and I want to eat, nowhere in that statement requires that I make a full lunchroom scratch. Just means I need to eat something that fulfills me, that gives me like the major macros. So good that that's a non-negotiable for me hydration is would be a fourth one like with water it's like what's holding you back is it the taste is it is it um yeah. the vessel i really like drinking through a straw i have two rules like always drink water through a straw never drink hard alcohol through a straw it, it works both both ways um and then in the evening uh i like to do another shutdown routine which does include plugging my phone in in a whole other room, which I know is offensive to some people, but it it's so effective. Like I don't need to rely on willpower then because I wouldn't have it. I just plug it in another room. So 
it's breaking it up and then it's finding those really small things that like really move the needle for me. And then if I don't get to all the other things, like I don't get a full workout or I don't get to make the full dinner, it's okay because I still did those base, like brilliant at the basics kind of things. Yeah, no, I love all of those. And actually, this kind of pairs well with it. We love to end every episode with a little rapid fire Q&A for our listeners to get to know you better. So first thing that comes to mind, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool? Uh, Taking a walk. Coffee or tea? Coffee and tea. Coffee. Okay. And uh, How do you take your coffee and what's your favorite tea? Uh, Coffee black and French press or an Amer- iced Americano. And uh, I like, in, in the winter, I live in Portland in the Pacific Northwest, so then the whole afternoon is is tea in the winter and iced tea. Um, I love Smith Tea is a local tea company that makes really good tea. Well, that sounds really good. Um, okay, well, and this, <laughs> this one will pair very nicely, but I'm very curious for your answer. What is your favorite home-cooked meal? It doesn't have to be something you make, Robin. Oh, uh, pasta. Like, I love, I'm hard Italian and I could eat pasta every single meal. Is there, if you were going to an Italian restaurant that had amazing pasta, what would be like the type of pasta you would get? Probably like spaghetti with meatballs or spaghetti with ragu or some slow cooked So like classic. 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 I love it. Well, Robin, thank you so much. Where can people... Well, everyone has to go to your Instagram page. It's like, I just like drool over. But again, I'm like looking at all the recipes, but I need to actually go get the ingredients. Um, But where can people follow you, learn more and work with you too to help, you know, build their habits, whether it's around food or other areas of their life? So realfoodwholelife.com is the website. We do have a meal plan that goes... A free meal plan that kind of goes with the things we just talked about that will give you all the recipes if that's helpful to you. Um, but we have over 500 recipes on there and they you can filter by habit. So minimal ingredients, 30 minutes or less, those kinds of things. Instagram at Real Food Whole Life. I just joined Threads, which is now what we're doing, apparently. Um, and then at thefeelgoodeffect.com, which is the habits coaching side uh we run a a certification for habits coaches and then i coach there as well i love it well thank you so much robin and hopefully we will connect again soon thanks so much for having me this week's actionable step is to identify your barrier to cooking from the options robin shared with us is it never having the right ingredients is it grocery shopping or the overwhelming thought of doing more dishes, or the act of having to do hands-on cooking. Identify your barrier, and then you'll be able to identify your solution. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals, and remember you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.